Um, well, I found a site that does that for Christian things that happen on this day in history, which seems to be, at least to me, far more interesting. The others can be fact and trivia, but there's nothing trivia that happens in the kingdom of God. So um, here's a couple of them. On February the 17th, a Sunday, I looked it up in 1889, um, is that before Greg was born? Two days before Greg was born. <laughs> Former White, White Sox stockings baseball player Billy Sunday, if you know who he is, gave his first <coughs> message in Chicago at a church in Chicago. Wow. And um, 46 years later, they say he spoke to over 100 million people. At one time? <laughs> that was just the first when Sunday. Was again? February the 17th, 1889. And that a million people were um, saved through his ministry. Um, another one which I thought was interesting. Um, actually, this, this thing terminated in 1856 on February 17th. This group of people were finally given um, civil and religious rights which they had been asking for since 1100. They, they were persecuted for 800 years. They're considered the oldest evangelical church, um, and it's called the Waldensians, if you've heard of the Waldensians. Um, so for 800 years, they, they've been a persecuted church. Um, a more recent thing that happened in uh, Bill, you and Julie, I wish Lisa was here, Tim's here, um, and Mary, we had a um, citywide prayer meeting um, last year. What was it? October? October. Um, and the, they had invited this pastor to come up from New Bern to just kind of share with us the difficulties of the things that were happening down there after the Hurricane Matthew and then Hurricane Michael came through shortly after that. So you know, he was just sharing about his congregation and the people down there. And, you know, one of the questions was, well, well what can we do? And he said, well, you can pray. Uh, he says, just go down there and spend some money because of the economics and, and give to people down there. So, you know, we had, we had asked for an appeal from our church for um, anybody that was interested in giving money for a hurricane thing. And we ended up... Um, taking uh, up money a couple different Sundays, and I was able to give that to this girl. Her name's Rebecca Lockhart. I know we've, I mentioned her before. She's a chorus teacher um, in uh, Onslow County at, the, at a middle school. She lost her husband during the hurricane, um, if you all remember. I found out um, this past week that she also lost her grandmother about two months earlier than that. Um, so she was overwhelmed by our gift. Um, she was particularly overwhelmed um, when I told her that we had people, uh, a mother and daughter that came from Venezuela that gave money for her. I told her that we had a, a Korean couple that came up to me and said, this is all the American money I have. I want you to give it to her. Uh, she just was so blessed by the fact that some congregation in Raleigh would give money to her so the more and more we talked you know i was telling her that you know it I had come out of this prayer meeting 
Um, and she looked at me and she said that the man that came up was my father. So here we turned around and the man that spoke to us at the prayer at the citywide prayer meeting happened to be this girl's father who lives in Onslow County. And so it just it made me smile because I think um, sometimes, you know, the Lord looks down and it's like, I just love it when a plan comes together. You know, he had this thing planned and we got to be a part of it. So um, I just wanted to pass that on to you all. We, we unknowingly do things and God has this predetermined connection between things. And so the very man that came to appeal to us, we were able to to bless you know his own family in a way. So, um, well... Today's message is one that um, it's it's kind of short, and since you guys are kind of hearing what you want to hear, um, when I talk about judgment and justice, if you want to, if you want to hear love, that's fine. You can you can hear love instead. But uh, it kind of goes back to a, a message that Bill gave um, in the early 2018 when he talked about Jesus, uh, name above all names, and he went through all these names of Jesus and. One of those names that we have looked at a couple times uh, is Prince of Peace. It, it comes up every Christmas. So we've talked about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. We've looked at the this concept of peace from God's uh, uh, perspective is a word called shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace. And it's, it's not an absence of conflict. It's more has to do with um, the concept of being complete or whole. For, for a person's well-being, uh, that their, their soul is right within them, that, that they are right with God and they're right with the people around them. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it has more to do with that than it does. Paul says, I've learned to be content with little or much. Well, this kind of peace is bigger than that. This kind of peace, we've talked about joy this morning. Uh, it's it's bigger than just joy. It, it's joy is a, it maybe is an uh, evidence of this peace, but um, we all know that it's this kind of peace isn't isn't in our world today. There are lots of things that have gone wrong. People are people can't seem to get along with each other. Nations can't get along with each other. But this is the kind of environment that God actually designed and created for for us sure but we we know that particular um, type of environment is not what we live in um, so one of the other words in that same song is um, for the name of Jesus is Lord God Almighty um which pretty much tells you who's in charge. Lord God Almighty. Um, and and He is the one to whom everyone and all things are ultimately going to be accountable to. Um, he had given He had given this opportunity to man to to, to rule the earth, to be uh, the authority here in the earth, but the devil has taken that away. But God has declared Himself just, um, and He will, in the end, be the one who does the judging and the justness of 
everything. Um, he rules from a foundation, a throne that he says the foundation is justice <coughs> and righteousness. That's that's the bedrock of who he is and how he looks at the world and how he orchestrates and governs the world. Fortunately for us, it's loving kindness and truth that flow forth from that throne. But truth is truth. And the, and the Bible uses this, this word called light to refer to truth because the light of God shows us what things really are. Um, you know, you can't put spin on something when there's enough light to show what the truth of it is. Um, the light of God uh, reveals not only the act and the deed, but the intent and the motive behind it. Um, and because he's a just God who, who rules in righteousness, the, he has to respond when things aren't right. That's just who he is. Uh, that response might not be immediate. That's why we think we can get away with things. Um, but in the end, God will judge things. And, and so it's in this particular vein I want to talk about because if we don't come to grasp this aspect of who he is, we never can really appreciate how great his love is and how great his salvation is. And so I have been on this um, search to understand God's justice, uh, his judgment, and just why, why that is so foundational and, and important to him. Um, it's the essence of who he is. Um, we've pretty much proven that his standard over and over, man has proven that this standard of God's is impossible. It's impossible to live up to. Um, but he's given these commands for our own welfare. The things that he's asked us to do are so that we would be blessed and benefit from those things. And so man tends to uh, rebel against submission to what God desires, the things that he's called us to, to be about. Um, we're offended when things go wrong because we live bad and because there's sin in the world. And then we are also upset when there's a penalty for it. Um, Psalm 75, 7 says this. It says, it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. And so we are made in the image of God and we have this innate sense within us of what it means to be fair. Um, and this thing within us causes us to cry out when things aren't fair. In our opinion, when things aren't fair. And so then you have uh, people that complain in our culture and are skeptical of a God that would punish sin. And yet, you know, for us, the response has to be, how can you trust a God who doesn't? How can you trust a God who doesn't punish sin? Um, and so what I wanted to do today was to, to just look 
at this foundation of just justice that God has. And um, Paul understood this. You know, he says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Um, I want to look at the story of Abraham this morning. It's in chapter 18 of Genesis, but just to give a little bit of a background about this, God called Abraham and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, asked him to to go to a place he was going to show him. He said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you, and, and you're going to be a blessing. And so he he leaves. He goes with his father. They settle in Haran. Um, his father dies, and he and his nephew Lot journey on to Canaan. Abram and Lot both have herds. Um, they have lots of sheep, lots of um, livestock, and the land will not sustain both of them. And so Abram says to Lot, look, um, we can't both stay together because there's not enough water and land here to take care of our flocks. Uh, You choose where you'd like to go and I'll go the other way. And so Lot looks down at the valley of Jordan, says, I like it down there. There's water, there's grass. Um, I'll take that spot down there. And so he goes down there um, with his flock and eventually he settles in Sodom. Meanwhile, God speaks to Abram and says, Hey, walk through the land that, that um, you, you've been given, and I'm going to give it to your descendants. Um, Abram had no children at this time when he was told this. And so, um, he stayed there. He followed God. Um, and in time, uh, the kings of the area had war. Um, they captured Sodom. They captured Lot, Lot's family, all his possessions, the people of Sodom. And they carried them away. Abram hears about this. He gathers all his, his men and they go after them to, to save his family, to save his nephew. And um, so Abram saves his, his nephew, brings him back. Um, along with all his possessions. And then God says after that, um, I will be your shield, your very great reward. And so um, Sodom is and Gomorrah is a place of, filled with sin. Uh, and eventually, a heavenly delegation is on their way to check this thing out. And they stop. Um, they see Abram and they stop and they tell him, look, you're going to have a son, uh, and Sarah's going to have that son next year. And so they have a meal with him, and then they get ready to leave again. And this is where I want to pick up this story. In Genesis 18, verse um, 16, Then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. You know, this is one thing I like about the Asian culture. I don't know if you... Uh, they, they may not walk with you, but they will stand and wait for you to leave. Uh, they'll stand on their porch or they'll stand on the sidewalk and they wait for you to leave before they go in the house. You know, it, it's... And um, this has been happening a long time and so maybe 
we Americans should be like Abram and kind of walk up the driveway with your with the people that you come to visit with you. So anyway, he's walking along with them to see them off. Um, and then the Lord said this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation. And in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so, God's asking himself this question um, because he's already knows that this is going to come to pass with, with Abraham because he's promised it to him earlier. They have a relationship. There's, they've already had covenant together. And so, because of that relationship, he's thinking, why should I hide this from Abraham at this point? And, and, then, he, and then he continues with this. He says, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that they, the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So what I, what I want you to notice here is the reason Abram was chosen. He wasn't chosen because of any merit, anything he had done. God looked down and picked this man and said, I'm going to use this man to build a new nation, to reveal myself to the world. But in choosing him, it gives the reason here um, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. And so what is the way of the Lord according to this scripture? It's doing righteousness and justice. These are the very things that are the foundation of God's throne. These are the things that from which God rules and which God governs and which God looks at and responds to the world that he has is from this particular vantage point. And so he's chosen Abraham so that he would teach and command his children these particular ways. What are the ways of righteousness? What are the ways of justice? Um, these two words, righteousness and justice, they're paired together um, almost 80 times in the Bible. It's almost that one goes with the other. And so um, he continues in verse 20. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. Um, it's almost like God has told Abraham this. Abraham knows what Sodom and Gomorrah are like. You know news travels fast and bad news travels faster. And so it wasn't any bad it wasn't any news to to Abraham of the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he understands exactly what's going to happen from this. And once he's aware of this, he mounts an appeal to God uh, on behalf of his nephew Lot. Now I guess sometimes we have our own misgivings about Lot. But Abraham asked God this question. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? 
Um, sometimes I think we may wonder if Lot was righteous or not by, by some, of, some of the things that he did. But, you know, in Second Peter 2.7, um, Peter says this, God rex- rescued righteous Lot oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, speaking of Lot, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. So in God's sight, Lot was righteous. Um, if he had not been, why, wouldn't, why would he have ever allowed Abraham to rescue him and all the other sodomites earlier why didn't he just let them be slaves the rest of their life so god had already shown that he was had a a, a favor towards lot in that particular thing and so moses continues with this um which we've all read many times suppose there are 50 righteous within the city will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. That's not fair, is it? To treat the righteous and the wicked alike. And so this is something that's within Abraham, it's within all of us. Far be it from you to do that. Shall you not shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? He asked him this in in humility, but also in a boldness. You know, he continues on till he gets down to ten. But he circles back around to this thing that he knows about God. He knows that God is just. He knows that God is fair. And he knows that God is the judge of all the earth. And he knows he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. Um, it's interesting, though, that this, this same position authority and power to judge is given to jesus um uh, death could not keep jesus for he as a man was righteous and was declared righteous through his resurrection by being raised from the dead peter peter says this in acts 10 speaking to the house of cornelius who was a gentile just like us not a jew God raised Jesus up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So we who believe are, are declared righteous and we are justified by faith. Um, you know, Paul writes in Romans this, a very familiar scripture, but apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God gave us a gift, the gift of life, the life of Jesus, who lived perfectly in righteousness and justice. He now offers that life of righteousness to the guilty, you and I, through faith in his bearing the penalty and wrath of God for our sin. This righteousness is not a status. It's not a privilege we've earned, but it's a power to act. First, to act righteous ourselves. In other words, to act right, to be right with God and to be right with one another. Like Bill was saying earlier today, to learn to, to say the right things and to speak the right things to people and to act right towards people. Um, it's not something that we necessarily keep for ourselves, but we, it's something that we use to bring others into the same kind of relationship that we have. You know, we're called to be peacemakers. And so a part of that is acting right uh, and bringing others into those places of acting right and, and to bring them into places where uh, they are treated right. In other words, they're, they're, they're treated to be fair. Um, Abraham was chosen that he might pass along the ways of God to do righteousness and to do justice. Now, how is that different from being righteous and being just? Um, well, doing is the sign that we are, in my opinion. It's by the grace of God that we show forth the character of God. Uh, it is the power of the life of Christ through the indwelling of His Holy Spirit to behave rightly before Him and among those around us. And to work for the fairness for those who are near to God's heart. And who are, the, who are the ones that the Bible says are near God's heart that are the vulnerable people? It's the poor. The widows. The orphans. And some, some call it the stranger or the sojourner or the foreigner. Those four people. I don't know about you, and you know, we could ask we could ask you all. We could ask those of you that have come to the United States that you know are are here as a stranger. You are vulnerable. You can be taken advantage of. You don't know every, all the ins and outs of this country. It would be the same way if we went to your country. And so, for someone to come up and 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 protect you and make sure you're treated fair. That's that's a delight to God's heart, you know. Whether whether it's a, a a foreigner or an orphan or someone who's poor, poor people are taken advantage of. Um, what we call justice, we re, we define what we redefine what is good 
so that it's an advantage to us. That's the fallen nature of man, is that we do that. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of on this personal quest to understand, well, what what does doing justice look like? I mean, it's kind of a... Kind of just, it's kind of out there. It, it, it doesn't have any flesh and blood around it. It seems like, and um, so that's that's um, what is that supposed to look like in in my life? You know, and, and it takes me back to this this passage in Micah, which um, this question is posed to God: With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the Lord on high? And God's response is this. He's told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And so, you know, I would just submit that as ambassadors to God, a part of proclaiming the good news about how God has overcome um, judgment with mercy is that we're led of the Spirit. When we're led of the Spirit we'll find ourselves doing these very same things. We'll be humbly walking with God. We'll be loving, loving kindness and mercy. And we'll be doing justice. Now, doing justice is going to be a, another message. What, what does that look like? Um, but I think for all of us, um, the bedrock of who God is is that He's a just God. And because he's a good God, he's a loving God. And these are the two tensions that God has to deal with. If we don't understand how much of an essence justice is and who in God's character, it's very hard to appreciate how great a salvation we have. How, what it cost him to be gracious. Um, it cost him judgment. You know, sin and wrongdoing and things that are not right have to be responded to by God. And, and so there has to be a penalty for that. Jesus Christ willingly came and took that penalty. The wrath of God, the punishment of God, um, and through, it's, through that, it's through that justice that we have, a, we have an avenue to love and peace. Uh, and so, uh, to me, I, I just think it's a time for me, maybe not for you, but it's a time for me to revisit this aspect of who God is. God's a just God. And the more I study that, the more I realize how great His love is and what a price it is He's had to pay in order to express that to the world. And so I, I really want to encourage us to... You know, to meditate on that and to find out the character of God is is merciful, but it's also to be just. We, I want to understand what just is and what does doing justice look like. It's one thing to be justified. It's another thing to do justice in the world. And so in, um, in messages to come, we're going to look at what the word justice really means and what does doing justice actually look like? So, if you look at that verse, one verse before what you just read, talks about he's showing the old man what is good. The verse before that says, "What shall I give in exchange for my soul? Shall I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul?" Right. And you want to see some justice? It's coming. 
It is coming. And so the fruit of the body would be this awful sin that these people did of abortion and, and sacrificing a Molech in, in the Old Testament when they offered up their children. Um, those things are an abomination to God, you know. And a part of what we need to be about in doing justice is, is um, you know, finding ways to bring the bring justice for those that are vulnerable, and who is more vulnerable than an unborn baby? So, um, and if you really think about it, um, if you really love, then you won't want to write for people. And so, uh, it, it's it's very circular. It's it's a. Uh, it's amazing and it's unfathomable. You know, my little brain can only grasp so much at a time. But um, to understand this great love of God, we have to we have to understand and appreciate what it cost Him t- to maintain His character of being a just God and being fair throughout all His righteous dealings. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, your ways are unfathomable. They're, they're, they're ways that we, we can begin to explore, but we can't see the end of them. All your virtues are that way. And So Lord, I really pray that um, you would stir up our hearts, that we would be uh, a people that would be right acting with one another, but even more than that, right acting with those around us as a watching world. That we would be a people that would not be afraid to fight for the fairness of those that we see are not being treated fair. Lord, it takes a courage, it takes time, it takes resources. And Lord, we just really ask that um, you equip us for a time such as this, Father, that we would, be, we would be bold in our speech and bold in our actions for those things that are dear to you. In Jesus' name, amen.